This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We have at our disposal uh, an expert on uh, hair uh, and an expert on plastic surgery. He's Dr. Gary Linkoff. He has practice here in New York City, City Facial Plastics. Part one, we talked about scarring, and uh, he's got uh, some wonderful insights into how to uh, reduce scarring, prevent scarring, whether it's elective surgery or whether it's inadvertent injury. And so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's happening on the uh, plastic surgery scene because it's kind of the Wild West out there. I mean, recently we learned of uh, a bunch of episodes, uh, fatal episodes, uh, due to some a procedure called the Brazilian butt lift. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, it's it's that's right in your bailiwick. You probably, you know, looked at that with dismay and, and you you know what yeah. what went wrong. Right, right. Yeah. So my background is in, uh, you know, more on at least on the, on the plastic surgery realm. It's more on the facial side of things and hair. Uh, so I, I, I don't do those surgeries, the BBL, Brazilian butt lift surgeries, but surely you know, of course, it comes across, uh, you know, my table, my desk, and uh, um, I see, you know, the same same uh, headlines that you see uh, out there. And it's, um, it's sad, you know, and I think it, it, it paints all of plastic surgery in a bad light, um, which, uh, which is, you know, not great for, uh, for the industry. But uh, I think the biggest issue is that there are certain surgeries that are much higher risk than others. Uh, most cosmetic surgery, you know, you, you go in there and as long as things are done by the book, uh, you, you'll you'll be out just fine. And maybe it won't be the perfect cosmetic outcome, but at least as far as like your life, you know, you'll have that and, and you'll be okay. You'll recover and you'll move on. Uh, but there are certain surgeries, specifically Brazilian butt lifts, that uh, just have the highest potential mortality rate out of pretty much, uh, you know, out of, out of most surgeries, not, not just cosmetic surgery. So, so it, it's, um, you know, that, that's, that's alarming, you know, and that should, I think, tell s plastic surgeons to maybe not do, not offer that surgery, because even in the best of hands, um, those outcomes are possible. Right. And of it's course, not life-saving surgery. I mean, it's aesthetic. Okay, correct. fine. And there's a, there's kind of a vogue now for big booties. Uh, you know, I, we've, we've seen that in, uh, you know, in the realm of, of models. Uh, you know, you see it, you know, walking down Fifth Avenue here in New York. Uh, but, right. you know, is it worth it? <laughs> Ultimately. Right. Exactly. So, so, right. So, with this, with that surgery, uh, you're taking uh, fat essentially out from areas where it's uh, 
less desired, say from the belly or from the legs, and you're taking that fat and you're repurposing it. You're putting it into the buttocks area. And there are certain veins uh, that are that, that also live in the muscles of, of the buttocks area. And if you inject, no one does this on purpose, you're accidentally getting it into one of these major veins. Now, the veins in that area connect up with veins of the heart and you get something called the potential fat embolus. Hmm. And that can happen, by the way, with fat, but it can also happen with injectables that are not fat, hmm. um, such as hyaluronic acid filler. So I- injecting anything into that area, if it's going to be done, it has to be done in the more superficial layers, a close, closer to the skin surface. But oftentimes, especially if you have a big you know, cannula and you're pumping this fat in, um, some people uh, accidentally go too deep and then you get into these veins and then you, you, you know, you run the risk of these fatal, uh, you know, problems. So, so that's kind of how, how people end up dying on the table from, from those surgeries. And it's, it's extremely sad. Uh, but I will say this, there is actually a trend away from BBL and, and there are now people reversing BBL, not because of hmm. the dangers involved with BBL, but just because, now in Hollywood, it's more in vogue now to be skinny again. And hmm. that's why, like, that, uh, Ozempic and uh, yeah. Yeah. all those other, you know. That's going to uh, be a game changer because it's going to create a new aesthetic. I mean, uh, you know, ultimately, exactly. uh, it, it is now within our power to uh, have people lose double-digit percentages of their body weight. Right. Right, exactly, and, and right, and so now it doesn't look right if you're overall quite skinny, but you have this big rear end, right? So you have celebrities like Kim Kardashian that many people think may have reversed um, hmm. her her BBL at least partially, and so that that's going to become, I think, the next the next trend, right? So it, it's always a problem when people are chasing the latest trend for plastic surgery because the. This isn't like, you know, you draw on a page and then you go and you erase it. I mean, this is your body. There are permanent things that you can't necessarily undo, even if you're trying to. So people really need to not follow trends when they're getting cosmetic surgery and, and really pursue things that uh, that really matter to them and that they've been thinking about for a long time and might be affecting it, their self-esteem. But not something that they hear about and have to rush to get. I mean, that is not a good approach. It's not an article of clothing. I, I can see from your CV that uh, as an undergraduate at Cornell University, you majored in psychology. Uh, do you find that uh, your uh, study of psychology uh, has found uh, some application to working with patients? Because patients' demands you know, around plastic surgery can sometimes be unrealistic and, uh, you know, there is such a thing as BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, you know, that people have. And, you know, they want to tweak their bodies to some idealized form of, of perfection to their own detriment. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, definitely. I, I enjoy the psychological um, aspects of the field. And I think if you're really going to you know, be in the field for a long time, you have to accept that. That's a big part of it. Uh, but I think contrary to, to what some people think, and even when I was in training, you know, all the people who weren't interested in, in plastics just thought that oh, all the all the patients getting plastic surgery are just crazy. Uh, and I think that is very much uh, inaccurate. 
most of my patients have very specific goals in mind and they've been thinking about something for a long time and something's been bothering them and it usually revolves around either aging changes you know that is making them look older than they feel so that's a, a big part of it and another one is you know some people are born with certain um, characteristics that are maybe not um, in line with ideal aesthetics in society and uh, they're looking to not necessarily correct their, you know, revise their entire face, but uh, adjust something, you know, uh, slim down the nose a little bit or raise the lip a little bit, or, you know, it's usually not like all of the above, you know, um, th that's when there are some re uh, red flags, you know, when someone wants, you know, 50 different procedures all at once, then you kind of have to take a step back and wonder if it maybe is, you know, BDD, uh, or if they have no idea what it is that bothers them, but they just like hate how they look, you know, like mm -hmm. that's not, that's not great either. I mean, most people in my practice have really thought about it and they've realized that maybe there's this one element that if it was improved, you know, then they would feel better about themselves. And usually that really is the case. I mean, the satisfaction rates I think are very high, not just in my practice, but in others where the patient selection is appropriate and patient expectations are properly managed, you know, and I, I'm a firm believer in education. And, you know, we have a, this big YouTube channel where we pretty much most of what I'm doing is educating people. Uh, and I'm not pushing plastic surgery. I'm just telling people how things go. And sometimes I'm actually advising against certain types of surgeries, not just BBL, but certain other mm -hmm. types of surgeries on the face that I just don't think stand up well over, you know, just the time. So, um, and I think people just appreciate that honesty. And I think when you're that honest and you're telling people, look, there could be complications, that it's not all rosy, then you kind of select out, you know, the people who really you want to work with, at least, you know, uh, from my end. And I don't want people who have unrealistic expectations and who, you know, just expect a, a radical transformation that it's not really... Um, those aren't the people who end up the happiest. There, there's a whole new phenomenon. We mentioned uh, Ozempic earlier, uh, and it's called mm -hmm. Ozempic Face. And I imagine that's yeah. going to drum up some business for you because as you lose lots and lots of weight, you might lose some of the subcutaneous fat that uh, uh, rounds out your facial features. And some people are going to come in after a successful bout of weight loss. They may have lost 25 or 30 pounds saying, I don't like the way my face sags now. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, any anything that right causes weight loss uh, and reduces the, the fat in the face it could just whether it's those drugs or just weight loss uh, on its own, uh, you know, can can lead to exactly that kind of look where things are just more deflated and and, and the face starts to sag. And sure, uh, my practice these days is fairly niche. I, I'm just focusing on hair surgery and, and lip surgery. So I'm, I'm not going to get I don't get too many patients who come in who want like a complete facial kind of overhaul mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and uh, that was just the direction that I decided to take. But but absolutely, there is this uh, Ozempic face phenomenon. And, and yeah, some people are getting surgery to um, improve the fullness, give them the fullness back in their face, like maybe through a fat transfer, sometimes to the face or some other fillers. Um, and sometimes it's for lifting procedures, such as a facelift, for example. Uh, yeah, that, but that is something that's happening. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about hair because, uh, uh, you know, the, the holy grail of uh, hair research 
uh, research on baldness and alopecia is coming up with some kind of stem cell uh, application like, uh, you know, reseeding a lawn where uh, we can uh, apply it to the scalp and new hair will sprout luxuriantly all over the scalp. How close are we to that? We're not too close. Um, it doesn't seem like we're, you know, too close to that. Every, all the time, anytime someone asks about that, especially at a meeting, at like an international hair restoration meeting, uh, it seems like the answer is always like five years or five years away. We've been that way for like 30 years. And so I, based on what I know in the literature, I, I don't think we're, we're that close. So there's two different approaches that I think people are taking. One is, can we, can we, well, more than two, there's, I would say maybe three different ones. One is like totally preventative, right? Can we just prevent the hair from falling out? Um, and, and, and there is, we have for at least for, for men, I mean, there's finasteride, but the problem is there are real side effects with that. So could there be a drug, that's better than finasteride in the future, where you don't get, for example, sexual side effects, um, but you still get that prevention that, that, that people want. That's one maybe avenue of research. Another one is, um, you know, once you've lost the hair, I mean, it's not like the bulb is necessarily dead. I mean, there's some scarring conditions where that might be the case, but it's really that the hair is miniaturized and it's just kind of a, uh, it's there, but it's not really producing anything. It's like a, almost like a factory that, you know, where someone just cut the electricity and it's, it's down. But it, like you still have some basic structure there that if you brought some fresh energy to the factory, maybe you can bring it back and, and have it be operational again. And so I think some people are hoping that you can find something that you sprinkle on, apply on, and all of a sudden now the hair that, that was the, the, the disappeared now is coming back. And that also, we don't we don't have any uh, you know magic bullets there. Uh, and then there's the idea of of cloning, you know, and and people have tried to clone different things and have had you know varying degrees of success. But can we take a hair follicle uh, from an individual, send it to a laboratory, clone it, and just create many copies of it, and then send it back to the hair transplant surgeon like myself to then you know implant you know, thousands and thousands of hairs mm -hmm. that don't have to come from the person. Because currently, we have a limitation. You know, everyone has a, an X number of uh, potential grafts that can be moved from one location to another on that individual. But eventually, you kind of run out of your supply. But if we can have an infinite supply by cloning, mm -hmm. that would be cool. Uh, there is a study that I heard will be underway in Japan in 2024 which will be the first um, study looking at hair cloning in humans. Uh, but, you know, it, I'm not convinced that it will work from, from the get-go. And I think it's costing about $400,000 per individual wow. just, for, just to run it through that study. So you can imagine they're not going to have too, too many people. And, you know, hair grows slowly. It's not like, you know, within a couple of weeks you know what you have. Because you want the hair to cycle, you know, to go through the hair cycle. That's what happens when we do a transplant. Because some people wonder, they, they think the hair is just going to stay short for forever. No, like if it's a successful hair transplant, it's going to continue to, you know, grow and then uh, fall out and then grow again. It goes through that natural hair cycle. But will the clone, cloned hairs do the same or will they maybe grow for a little bit and then fall out and never come back? 
and nobody knows. Nobody has yeah, an answer to that. We haven't done long-term studies on that. Uh, there's a, a bit of a buzz about you know some of these uh, natural products that you can either apply to your hair or you can take internally. Uh, I call these products uh, miracle Grow for the hair. Uh, are you big on those? Uh, you know, I, I've definitely done my review of the literature for certain more natural supplements, you know, that, that, that seem to have some efficacy with hair growth. And I'm definitely a believer that there are certain things that can help. It's just that many of the products that are out there really don't have solid data to support them. Mm -hmm. One of the chief examples being like rosemary oil. I keep hearing of rosemary. Everyone keeps saying Mm -hmm. there's one study looking at rosemary oil and, and it's actually just a poorly designed and executed study. Um, and it, it, you know, we, we actually, we covered in one of our videos, the going in detail into that specific and, study. And by the way, your videos and, are available on, uh, on YouTube, right? Just have to yeah, put in your name, Dr. Under- Gary Linkoff. Exactly. That's the name of the channel. And it's all, it's all right there. We, we talk a lot about hair and, and plastic surgery. Um, so yeah, so something like rosemary oil, I, I wouldn't, what about uh, caffeine? you know, caffeine, there's yeah. this caffeine thing going yeah. on, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that caffeine can have some benefit um, in at least reducing the, the graying process. It seems like that, uh, you know, that's been borne out in, in at least uh, maybe two studies. But yeah, something like a, a saw palmetto, for example, definitely has um, similar properties as like finasteride, like right? Avidar, but just yeah. like... Mm-hmm. Well, 5-HT, yeah, five, yeah. Uh, you know... Yeah, 5-alpha reductase alpha blocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But basically, redu- like limiting the conversion of um, testosterone to its more potent form, dihydrotestosterone, because the DHT or the dihydrotestosterone is what causes the miniaturization of our of our hair over time. So, saw palmetto has some natural tendencies towards th- that same type mm-hmm. of effect, mm-hmm. and that's you know shown in many studies. So, I believe it. So, sure, maybe adding some saw palmetto to a shampoo, and that which is what we're doing that's how we formulated our shampoo also um pumpkin seed oil has been shown to be somewhat effective um and topically or orally topically topically i mean Mm -hmm. probably orally too but i mean Mm -hmm. most of these things are kind of tested more then there's there's minoxidil which we've has been used for decades you know as as an application topically uh you know with a like some sort of foam or some sort of liquid that you rub it yeah. in your scalp but the latest buzz and there was a new york times article that kind of uh set the world on the hair world on fire or set people's hair on fire i don't know <laughs> about this which yeah, is that yeah. oral minoxidil just a little a low dose of the stuff it's a blood pressure medication uh can right. be somewhat helpful do you do you subscribe yeah. to that yeah yeah so actually at that same feelconfident.com website there if you go under the hair category we offer it through the website. We partnered with like a digital pharmacy and, and a, a set oh, of prescribing okay. doctors. So it's all there. Um, you can get generic finasteride and oral minoxidil through through our site essentially. But yes, yeah, so I definitely subscribe to it. I, I prescribe it often in my practice as well. For men, usually a 2.5 milligram dose per day. For women, it usually drops down to about half of that per day. Uh, it's been really well studied. You know, it it doesn't have the FDA approval, just like um, it's an off-label uh, application of it. In other words, you can prescribe it. It's not illegal. It's just not specifically 
authorized for that. Yeah. Yeah. The FDA approval is for the topical. Um, and there's of course FDA approval for like, uh, minoxidil for, for blood pressure though. I, at least the cardiologist patients that I've had, I mean, I've, I've never asked them about it. They're like, yeah, we don't prescribe that anymore. Yeah. So I don't think well, the, the, the origin of it was, was they were developing it as a blood pressure drug. And, yes. uh, what they discovered is that it just made people extremely hairy. I mean, all over their body. I think they even developed like palmar hair, you know, so, that was it could be at good. such a high dose at, yeah, a, high, at a very high dose when every, i think you're using like 250 yeah. milligrams 500 milligrams you know and it, it right. will lower blood pressure so uh, just in terms of safety for blood pressure lowering at that low dose it does not drop your blood pressure so that you're going to feel weak and woozy and you know hit the deck it, it right? doesn't it doesn't seem to no i mean there there are the most common side effects are like headache uh, some people can feel lightheaded Hmm. Um, Very sensitive and, people, yeah. Yeah, and then also like leg swelling. Oh. Um, and there are very, these very rare case reports of um, of uh, uh, pleural effusions, and, and hmm. um, that that can be seen even at a low dose. But again, that is super super rare. So usually very well tolerated. There was a big study, like a multi-center study, thousands of patients, and the percentage of people who had to stop taking the low dose for almanoxyl because of side effects was one percent. Okay. So that doesn't mean you know higher percentage felt something, but it's yeah. usually when you lower the dose, someone has symptoms at two point five milligrams, you just bring them down to half. Usually those side effects go away, and they can still get benefit for their hair. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, you know, you've been really helpful guiding us through uh, a wide variety of topics, starting with the scars uh, and then moving on to uh, hair and some general comments on plastic surgery. Uh, when it comes to just when it comes to plastic surgery, uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy about you know where to get plastic surgery. Or do you really uh, believe that people? Uh, should go to someone who's accredited with the American Academy of Facial and Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery uh, when seeking a cosmetic procedure? Because, I mean, there are more cut rate ways to get things done that I think some people uh, utilize. But is it important to see someone who is properly certified? Definitely, you want to look for board certification. Um, Sometimes it gets a little bit tricky because... Even if you're certified by, you know, all the right places and, and the one that you mentioned that I'm certified with that, that is one of the organizations uh, that is a trusted, you know, source for people for sure. There's the American Academy of, of Plastic Surgery. That's the more kind of general one for, for like, say, if you want your breast surgery or, you know, some other stuff because ours focuses on the face. Uh, and then there are, there are others as well, but I think it's important to look for board certification but also look for specific expertise in like certain types of surgeries and i think that's where people go wrong you know they'll go to someone who does a lot of breast surgery generalist a generalist yeah yeah. oh can you also do my nose like yeah they probably know how to do a rhinoplasty but do you really want them to do a rhinoplasty when that's not something that they're focused on i i would argue no um and so finding a person who specifically does rhinoplasty, or in my case, you know, I specifically do hair and lip surgery, uh, you know, and I'm doing that all the time. So, uh, of course, you know, you're, you're going to want to come to me for those types of things. But if you're looking for, you know, a, a facelift and, 
fat transfer to the face and all of that, then look for someone who does a, like mainly that type of surgery. So that that's my biggest advice. And of course, make sure that your surgeon is board certified and all of that. But but really look for unique uh, uh, specialization and expertise. Okay, good stuff. And let's mention again that you, you yourself are a real communicator in this field. And you've got uh, scores of uh, really instructive uh, videos on YouTube on topics related to plastic surgery and skin and hair. And you can find those at the your yeah, Dr. Gary Linkoff like, channel there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just Dr. Gary Linkoff. That's the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, we're putting out essentially two videos a week and a bunch of shorts as well. And uh, we're, uh, we're going strong with it. And we just we just believe in transparency and honesty. And that's something that hasn't always existed in the plastic surgery community. And uh, we're basically taking the trying to take, you know, the um, the most, uh, you know, the most honest approach to, to everything that we do. Uh, and and it seems so far like people are responding nicely to it. Well, you know, I think it's it, uh, it rather than aggressive advertising, I think just being a, a source of information uh, is a great way to build rapport and, and trust with potential patients. So that's kudos to you. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, that's Dr. Gary Linkoff. It's spelled L-I-N-K-O-V. He's got a practice in the city, City Facial Plastics. Uh, their number, if you want to get in touch, 212-439-5177. Appreciate very much your time. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom-targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com.